Good evening. It is good to be together. I wanted to stop before I get too far and say, wow, Ryan Rupel. Thank you for that. That's his first time to ever get up in front and, and lead a song like that. And, uh, and someone was in the back saying, how much, how much do we pay you? Because we could probably get him for a lot cheaper. So, you did a great job. Thank you so much. And Hardison, as always, an amazing job. Appreciate that so much. Good to be together tonight. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you've enjoyed the time of worship with God's family. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, we want to welcome you. And if you're our guest, glad that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Has someone ever given you kind of a, a backhanded compliment? Like they say, hey, you look great. Have you lost weight? Like I, I didn't know I was fat. Why did you, why did you tell me that? This, this might come across as one of those times, I don't know, but um, I, I did want to say before we got into the lesson, uh, we came over, uh, a few of us, at an all-for-one meeting across the street uh, over at the chapel, and if you don't know what that is, it, I, I hope that you'll get acquainted with it. It's a ministry that, that exists to reach out and show people God's love, and uh, it is awesome. It was really good sharing some time of celebration. What I want to say about that is... In the last few months, everything, ever since that thing got rolling, we've gotten friendlier and friendlier as a congregation. And I don't say that to say we were unfriendly before, but it's amazing the progress that it seems like we're making together as a family uh, through that ministry, through people who are looking for souls and people who are looking for souls like Jesus looked for souls. And so I just, I want to compliment you and not in a backhanded way, but I appreciate so much the buy-in that the congregation has. And again, if you're interested in that, please check it out because I promise you uh, it's, it's beautiful to see it work. So I just want to throw that out there. If you're new to the congregation, I might tell you something that you might not know about this place yet, in case you haven't picked up on it. This is a congregation that cares about its youth. In fact, I, I want to begin tonight by rehashing a little bit of exciting news from our day. If you didn't catch this, this morning we said farewell to our four summer interns who were fantastic. And I have been working with our 6th through 12th grade students. This morning we made an exciting announcement. We're adding another full-time staff member here to the youth ministry team. His name is Jody Marble, and he'll be working alongside of, of me. My name is Philip Jenkins, by the way. I'm the youth minister here. And, uh, and so for the next two years, Jody will be here with us and will continue to, to try to help us minister to this, I guess, exploding youth program. Not literally, that sounds dangerous. But, you know, this idea that, that God is just continually blessing us, and, and we're excited because great things are happening. God is good, amen? He's been good to us, and I'm excited about having another partner here to help serve in this ministry. Tonight's lesson is entitled, How to Not Be Satanic. How to Not Be Satanic. Uh, how's that for a title? You probably didn't think you needed a lesson on that. Sacrificed cats lately? I don't know. But seriously, a question for you, to quote Doug Williams. Uh, have you ever acted satanic? That's crazy. I've never acted satanic. I'm a Christian. I'm, I've never acted satanic. I love God. I love His church. I love His people. I love Jesus. I'm not satanic. To quote Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. I want us to look at Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. It's one of those passages that the more I read, the more I think, yeah, that's, that's me a lot of times. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Let's read together. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples 
that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, crazy item number one from this passage is the fact that Jesus turns and looks at one of his apostles and calls him Satan. But crazy item number two from the passage is that it's, it's not the apostle that we would turn to and call Satan. It's not the one that we would have pictured at all. It's not Judas. It's Peter. Why? Why would he do that? Doesn't that sound kind of harsh? Well, let's look more closely. In verse 21, Jesus is taking the time to, to talk to his apostles about the things that are going to happen to him. And it's, it's pretty crazy how much that, that he's open about it at this point in the passage and how much that he shares. The Bible uses the word show. Do you see that? Jesus showed them what was going to happen. To me, that's, that's an intimate word. For example, a lot of you would be excited if I said, hey, let me tell you a little bit about the new Star Wars movie coming out next summer. A lot of you would get excited about that. But a whole lot more of you would get excited if I said, hey, after church tonight, I'm going to show you the new Star Wars movie to anybody who wants to see it. Does that kind of open up your eyes a little bit? It appears that, that Jesus here isn't sparing many details. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm, spoiler alert, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to, be, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. He goes on to, to show them the whole plan. I'm going to be killed, but I will be raised on the third day. Peter's having none of this. He doesn't like what he hears at all. It's like he shuts down after he hears the word killed. He's heard enough, and he's about to, he's about to let Jesus know exactly how the plan should work. He doesn't just say, Lord, I lovingly and respectfully disagree. No. The word of God uses a much stronger word, the word rebuke. Peter says, Lord, stop it. Enough is enough. Stop saying crazy stuff. This shall never happen to you. And if you thought Peter's words were strong, get ready. Because Jesus looks at Peter and he immediately fires off one of the strongest statements that we ever read in scriptures, especially coming from the mouth of Jesus. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of men, or of the things of God, but the things of men. He calls Peter Satan. Now he knows that Peter isn't Satan, but Jesus had a strong, clear message for Peter. To Jesus, the idea of acting satanic doesn't really have to do with sacrificing cats or tattooing pentagrams all over your skin. So what was it that prompted Jesus to call Peter Satan? Why did this bother him so much? And really the word, the word in verse 23 is offend. Why did this offend him so much? During the course of a year, 52.9 million people visit Walt Disney World. That's just world, not land. That's just world in Orlando, not all over the world. 52.9 million people every year, they go and they see Cinderella's Castle. They go and they ride the Dumbo ride, and they see It's a Small World, and Space Mountain, and the, the giant, big giant golf ball at Epcot. And of course, they see Mickey Mouse. But how many of those 52.9 million people 
notice and see that there's never a trash can further than 30 steps away. Apparently Walt Disney went to other theme parks before he built Walt Disney World and figured out that that's about the distance somebody, the maximum distance somebody would walk before they would drop their trash on the ground. That's crazy. How many of those 52.9 million people ever noticed the little device called Smellitzers? This is kind of weird, but there's a little device called a Smellitzer when you go to Walt Disney World, and literally the job of a Smellitzer is to emit a scent to a certain area to match the surroundings. So if you're walking in Main Street, USA, you'll smell fresh-baked cookies and vanilla. If you go to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, you'll smell something that smells like burning fire as opposed to fire that's not burning. You know what I mean, burning wood. <laughs> You'll smell something when you're, when you're on a, the, the end of, um, I'm sorry, you'll smell salty sea air on the parts of the Caribbean ride. If you're, if you're on, if you're on the, the spaceship Earth ride in Epcot and you see the, the burning of Rome, that's when you smell the fire that burns right there. How many of those 52.9 million people notice and see that the sidewalks are colored to match the surroundings of wherever they're located. That's crazy. Kodak and Disney did a study and they found out that the, the photographs were more vivid and the light was better when the color of the sidewalk matched whatever it was around. How many of those 52.9 million people see that in Frontierland you see a wooden leg labeled Smith? Some of you know this. It's a reference to Mary Poppins. Some of you will remember uh, in the movie where Bert says, I know a man with a wooden leg named Smith. And Uncle Albert responds, what's the name of his other leg? It's there. And we could go on and on about the little known secrets of, of Walt Disney World. But how is it that millions and millions and millions of people go and visit this crazy design theme park and they never notice those things. It's because the crowd's not looking. The crowd's not thinking about those things. The crowd misses it because it never crosses their minds. Why is Jesus so upset with Peter? It was because Peter wasn't really looking. He wasn't really looking. He saw the situation entirely from a worldly standpoint. And it was all wrong. His mind immediately went back to himself and to his world. He was not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Instead of seeing God's beautiful plan at work, he was thinking about how his plans were ruined. Instead of this being the good news, Peter made it the bad news. He wasn't really looking. I wonder, how many of us have acted a little bit satanic at times? Times when we've really missed it. That mindset that, that doesn't take God into account. That mindset that is purely earthly. That mindset that is purely self-seeking. That mindset that is worldly. That mindset that so oftentimes belongs to the crowd. Jesus says over and over and over again in his ministry, let me tell you some things about the crowd. They're going to miss it. Many will be called but few will be chosen. They'll hear the parable, but they'll miss the point. Many will enter the way that leads to destruction, but only a few will find the narrow way that leads to life. Many will hear, but only a few will obey. Many will say that they want to become my disciples, but only a few will take up their cross and actually follow me. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
But only the doers of God's will will enter the kingdom of heaven. Over and over and over and over again, Jesus says, the crowd is going to miss it. Peter, don't be like the crowd. Don't look at this like the crowd. Satan is the king of the crowd, the prince of this world. You know better than to talk like that. That's Satan. That's not who you are. That's not what you're about. That's not why I've invested all these hours into you. Think about it this way. Peter looked at a situation and he completely removed God from it. Here's the situation. God was not anywhere on the spectrum. That's exactly how we get ourselves into trouble, isn't it? When we remove the things of God from our minds, what's left? Everything that is not God is what's left. Ourself. The world. Satan. Students, mostly here, also around here someplace, but a lot of them here. Students, tomorrow you'll go to school, a lot of you. What will you see? The crowd will see a building that they hate, a place that they hate, a crowded building, some hallways, some classrooms, some teachers, some chairs, some desks, some lockers, some teachers that they like, and some teachers that they absolutely hate. Some people, a handful of people that matter, and a whole lot that really don't. But take a step back and wake up and really think about this and put away all the other stuff that really doesn't matter and really think about distancing yourself from seeing what the crowd sees because the crowd will miss it. What if you attach God to those thoughts? What if you, as 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, took every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought you have and connect it to what it means with Jesus Christ in the picture. So really, the question isn't, what will you see when you go to school? The question is, what does God see? He doesn't see a handful of people that matter. He sees a school full of people that matter. The kid that sits by himself, the new student, the bully, that kid that doesn't take showers, that kid that starves every meal, the kid that everybody else says is annoying, the lunch ladies in the cafeteria, the teacher that everybody hates, the kid who has special needs, the guy or the girl with that terrible reputation. God doesn't just look at you and your friends, and if that's all you look at, you are concerning yourself with the things of man and not the things of God. God takes a look at your school, and you know what he sees? A place with souls to relentlessly pursue. Will you? Tomorrow, you'll go to work. What will you see? The crowd will see a bunch of things that didn't get done or a bunch of things that magically appeared on your desk when you got back over the weekend. The crowd will see a bunch of emails to answer, a bunch of tasks to accomplish, a boss that doesn't really deserve your best, he doesn't deserve respect, a paycheck that demonstrates how undervalued you are, a handful of co-workers that matter, and a whole lot that don't. What will you see? What will God see? A place full of souls to relentlessly pursue. What if tomorrow you decided to wake up 
and see opportunities for how they truly are. What if you did that? Tomorrow you wake up and you decide, I'm going to see opportunities for what they truly are. At Chisel this past week, we met Chris Schrader. Chris and his wife, Michelle, are Christians who own and operate Best Cleaners in Columbia, Tennessee. Maybe some of you know them. They also own five other Best Cleaners, uh, five other locations throughout the mid-state. Over $1.6 million in revenue annually. Two years ago, a couple of things happened, like life tends to do, that caused Chris to stop and really take inventory and reevaluate things. Number one, his business, Best Cleaners of Columbia, burned to the ground, lost everything. Number two, Chris was diagnosed with cancer. Needless to say, Chris and Michelle did a lot of soul searching and even seriously considered selling the business, cashing it in, and being done with it. But there was another factor that the Schraders just couldn't ignore in this decision, their employees the ones who had invested a lot of sweat and tears and love faithfully for years. They were counting on that job. And so after a great deal of, of prayer and self-reflection and, and searching and, and thinking and planning and praying, they decided to keep the business open, but they also decided that they were going to do some things differently. From now on, the company would focus on, and here's a phrase you don't hear a whole lot, ministering to its employees. It has changed completely the complexion of the company and souls are being reached and lives are being changed to the glory of God all because a godly couple decided to look at their business from a godly perspective. And I left that business thinking about one thing that day. What would churches look like? What would leaders look like? What would other companies look like? What would we look like if we would all have that moment of clarity when we would wake up and we would see what was truly the most important thing? Maybe you'd treat your days differently. Maybe you'd treat your time differently, your job differently. Maybe your business model would change. Maybe you'd you talk to someone instead of ignoring them. Maybe you'd spend your money differently. Maybe you'd treat God differently. Maybe you'd treat church differently. Maybe you'd walk through the doors of your school and down through the hallways, and I'm not kidding here, with a heart that relentlessly pursues souls. You'd seek to encourage, to befriend, to speak, to seek, to invite, to involve, and to attach God to all of your thoughts. Because again, that's what it's all about, setting your mind on the things of God. And yes, even those things about those thoughts about your job and those thoughts about your wife and your parents and your family and your school, you weren't put here to score touchdowns. You weren't put here to be popular. You weren't put here to be pretty. You weren't put here to make A's. Make them if you can, but that's not why God put you here. God never said, make A's. He said, make disciples. God never said, just love your friends. He said, love your enemies. He never said, do whatever's comfortable. He said, do whatever is right. As we wrap up, in Matthew Henry's commentary on Matthew, he makes this statement about the passage we studied tonight. 
See why he called Peter Satan. Talking about Jesus. See why Jesus called Peter Satan when he suggested this to him. Because whatever stood in the way of our salvation, Jesus looked upon as coming from the devil who is a sworn enemy to it. Tonight, don't be satanic. As weird as that sounds. Don't be hindered. Quit worrying so much about what man thinks and start concerning yourself with the things of God. Maybe tonight's message is exactly what you needed. I know I did. Maybe it's exactly what you needed to get focused and to have that wake-up call. It's easy to get sidetracked and to focus on things that don't really matter. Make tonight the night when you decide to wake up and see the very moment that you have right now for what it truly is. The only moment that you truly are guaranteed this one if you'd like to come forward asking for prayers or if you'd like to come and have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism please come as together we stand